I'm the only one in the
Hey, Esther. Do you hear me? How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, Baruch Hashem. I'm glad I could get in with no problem this time. That's what? Oh, amazing. Hey, let me just share my screen. Let me know if you see my screen. Hey, Shara. I don't hear anyone now, but I could be that you're. One second. Guys, let me know if you can see the screen. I should move this away. Jamie, you look like you're talking, but I don't hear you. I'm with Kanasvia and Sarah. I'm <laughs> oh, I'm just, they're here. We're in the, hey. I'm looking for my notes. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so I think you can see my screen, so that's good. Everyone, I'm just gonna preface whoever wasn't here last week. This is a continuation from last week's Mimer. Uh, the link was sent out last week if you wanted to print it, but it's all on the board for whoever wants to follow along. Um, all right, should we get started? Let's just see who's on. See how this works. Okay. Okay, cool. Amazing. Is there, someone let me know, is there some sort of like chat box? Where like if I ask a question, you could send like a yeah. chat. Yeah, there is. Where would I see that? Um, for me, it's on the top right. Um, Alana Rose said that they could hear you. That she can hear you great. She can see your screen. Okay, pet. Yeah, next to the participants one. thing, there's three dots. Yeah. Three dots. This. It says, it says more. Yeah. If you click on it, it normally says chat at the top. The first one says chat. It it should be right next to where you're mute and. Oh, you're chat right here. Mute. Yeah. Okay, so you guys could just like text anything and I'll see it. Yeah. Okay, cool, if you're shy, but guys, you could speak. So that's fine, okay, cool, amazing. So, thumbs up if you're ready to get started. It's good to see you guys, I miss you all. Really hope to be back soon with everyone. So we're continuing from last time. I don't know exactly who was here and who wasn't, so I'll do a little quick intro. Um, we are learning a mimer by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, which was said on Lagba Omer. 
and it is based off of a mimer of the Alter Rebbe, which was also said in Alpha Omer many years previously. It's basically, as I said last time, um, almost word for word, not exactly, but a retelling of the Alter Rebbe's mimer and then an added paragraph by the Rebbe at the end, which we're going to get to hopefully um, next week on Alpha Omer. Our class is on Alpha Omer, and we'll finish it off then. So we started with a question. The whole mimer is called Lahavan Inyan Hilula Darashbi, understanding the idea of the passing on of Rashbi and the fact that we celebrate Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's yard site, the day of his passing, as opposed to all other tzaddikim um, who we actually commemorate their yard site through fasting, which is a known practice. So that's the question. And we said uh, along the style of the Alter Rabbi's Maimer, um, that in order to actually understand the answer, we have to preface with some positive concepts. So before we could get to the answer of why we celebrate Lagba Omer, why we celebrate the passing of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai as opposed to fast, you know, uh, which is seemingly a much more um, appropriate thing to do on the day of somebody's passing, we have to understand something that seems very far-fetched. We have to understand the difference between angels and souls. And last week we spoke specifically about angels. Um, we mentioned three reasons why angels are called mahalchim. Sorry, sorry, why angels are called ondim, which means standing, and why souls are called mahalchim, which means walking. So we didn't really elaborate on souls yet, but we did speak about three reasons why um, angels are seemingly limited, and that's why they're called standing. Somebody or something that is standing in place is limited to where it's standing and it's not progressing and it's not digressing. And so he said the first thing, which is up here in this paragraph, um, the first one was that even though angels don't have physical bodies, they are still limited to some sort of form. It's not a physical one, but it is a spiritual form that God designated for them when they were created and they're limited to that. And the second thing is that they're limited to the amount of in godly influence that they can receive in the way. So the first one wasn't the amount of godly influence, but it was the type of godly influence. So we said that some angels are limited to uh, understanding God more through love, some more through fear, etc. So they're limited to the type of godly influence. And then the third was the amount of godly influence. Each angel has a designated amount of godliness that it will be able to comprehend and a level that it will be able to reach. And it can never go higher than that, and it can never go lower than that. That's what we said about angels, and we ended off, if I'm not mistaken, you guys could correct me, I think we didn't start Bayes yet, we didn't start the second um, paragraph. We ended off saying that souls, on the other hand, are able to reach an infinite amount of levels, even though a soul itself is limited, souls, our neshamas, are not God, right? They are limited, but the levels that it's able to reach are unlimited. And that's what we're going to try and understand today. Why is this? Why are souls different to angels? What makes them unique? And what enables them to reach these levels? So we're going to start with Bayes. I'm going to do a little preface. We're going, to, we're going to actually speak about the soul in different stages. Because in different stages, the soul is able to reach different levels and is either more or less limited. We're first going to speak about the soul before it enters the world, before it becomes one with our body. Then we're going to speak about the soul once it's in our body, in this world, limited to a physical body. Um, what's the level then? And then what's the level after the soul has completed its mission on this earth and returns back to heaven? Um, and in each one of these stages, we're going to understand the process that the soul goes through and why it's actually able to reach these really high levels. So right here, we're going to start with, okay, We'll read the first sentence and I'll, I don't know who's following in inside or not. So if you want me to repeat a word or something, you want to get the translations down, feel free. Um, that, that's no problem at all. Okay, so let's start from base. Vihine, behold. Now we're going to try and understand souls a little bit more. Gamma Nashamas, also the souls, Kodem Ba'am Laguf, before they come into the body, Ba'olam Hazer, in this physical world. They were in the aspect and level of angels. Our soul, before it came down into this world, was equal to the level of angels. And they are also called omdim. So obviously there's different levels of angels and there's different levels of souls. And we're not saying they're all equal levels, but they're all 
kind of lumped together in this category of what we called omdim, which means that they are limited to the levels that they can reach. As we said, we explained already why angels are limited to how, how like what levels they could reach, but our souls are also limited. Each soul has some sort of imprint from a world when it was created. Basically, you have some souls that are called souls of Atsilos, which is the highest world. Then there's souls of Bria, which is a low world, souls of Yetzirah. So our souls actually are limited to how, like, how much greatness they could reach, so to speak, before they come down to this world. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu was called the Neshama of Atsilos. He had a very, very lofty soul. And the levels he could reach with that lofty soul were totally different to he was just on a much higher level than souls that kind of came through different worlds lower worlds so our souls are also called omdim at this stage as it says this is from malachim um eliyahu uh, elijah the prophet so this means that i lived where i stood before hashem sorry sorry i lived by hashem who i stood before him. This is referring to Eliyahu, who is speaking. This is when, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the story, but there was a king called Achav. He was a very, very evil Jewish king. His wife was Izevel. She was like super evil and influenced him to do all sorts of things against God. Um, he's the one who, who like established the Bamas. These are like sort of illegal Mizbeachs all over Israel. And Eliyahu was a prophet at the time, and he and he was confronting the Jewish people and, and Ahab and basically saying that if you don't stop what you're doing, I'm going to bring a, I'm going to stop the rain. And that's actually what happened. It's a whole story. Um, Eliyahu did actually stop the rain and eventually brought it back. But what we're learning from this pasuk, we're going to take this pasuk and look much deeper. It says, who I stood before him. When did Eliyahu stand before Havaya? Why is it before Hashem? Why is it in past tense? What we're learning from this Pasuk, what the Zahar and Kabbalah sees the deeper meaning of this Pasuk is that Amadati is that he wasn't when he was in the level of an Omade in the past, when Eliyahu was just a soul, not in his body, he was standing before God. He was on the level of Omade, just to prove from Tanakh. That this concept that the neshama before it comes down is on the level of omed. And only after the soul comes down into a physical body. And it works, works on it through Torah and mitzvahs. The soul merits to be on this level of we call a mahalech, not an omed anymore, but now a mahalech, a mover. But Eloi Achar Eloi, in elevation after elevation. It's able to go up and up and up in levels of spirituality with no limits. So now the altar is going to bring a physical example so that we can understand um, why specifically the soul needs to come down into the body to reach these levels. Uh, this is a concept we speak about a lot in Hasidah, so it might not even seem weird for you guys anymore to hear that, oh, when the neshama comes down, um, into a physical body, then it can reach really high levels. But if you think about it, our bodies are the most physical, limited thing ever. Like we can't even fly, you know, we're so, our bodies have such limitations. I mean, um, we could just sit right now and list all the limitations that our bodies have. Um, we're all stuck inside right now because we're scared about what's going to happen to our bodies if we walk out, you know? So we're, we're, our bodies are very limited. Why specifically when a soul, which is a very high level, which can comprehend super high levels of godliness. When it comes to the down into the body, does it then become unlimited, so to speak? It's able to reach these unlimited heights. So it's going to bring an example from something that we see manifested in this world. And I want to actually hear from you guys what you think is the most... Um, so what is an example of how a human being, a limited human being, can be infinite. What is the most infinite thing that a limited human being can possibly do? I'd love to hear what you guys have to think about that. Can you repeat that? The most, what's the most what? Limited thing? What is the most infinite act, so to speak, that a human being can do? What about um, maybe like 
something to do with like his mind, like his in, his intellect. That's a good one. I want to hear guys throw things at me. I want to hear um, what, you to, what you have to say. Uh, eating, <laughs> laugh, amount of time, like the like how long eating. is it allowed for? Unconditional love. Unconditional love. Well, a person's very living alive for a very limited amount of time. The most infinite thing is living. Learning. Living. Living. Uh, because that's like the only thing that we don't have control over, but it's the only thing that you have as much, like a certain amount of time for, whereas other things you don't know if you have that amount of time. I don't know. We're just living. I like it. <laughs> what about learning, maybe? Learning. Why learning? Um, because every day you can learn something new, whether you think you're learning or not. <laughs> That's true. Davening. Davening. Someone say davening. Yep, davening. I like that one. I wanted to hear what you guys had to say. And there's, in each one, we, if we elaborate on them, there, like, I really like these ideas. There are ways that we make ourselves more infinite. But the example that's brought here, and I think that, um, it's an example, like it's the most extreme example, is having children. Because when a person has a child, that child can have a child, that child can have a child, that child can have a child, and there's no end to how many generations can come from this one person. Um, I said that, reproducing yourself. Oh, who said that? I didn't hear. It was a lot. Very nice, good job. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Awesome. That's what the alter ego brings. And I think that that is the most um, infinite thing that we could possibly do because there really, there's no end to it. There's no end. And what did she say? say? <laughs> Reproducing yourself. And what's really cool about it, actually, I just heard um, someone brought up, was that you can, anything else that we create is less than us. Any, anything that we make we're still on a way higher level than it, right? Even if it's the most amazing masterpiece, but your child could actually be on a way higher level than you. And uh, we see that many times that a child surpasses the parent in many ways. So it's, it's a very, very powerful um, thing that we're able to do. But, and here's the but, and this is what we're, how we're gonna get back, and this is why this is a muscle for what we're trying to understand about the soul. You can't do it alone. A person cannot have a child alone. We need a man and a woman to have a child. Uh, not only do we need a man and a woman, we say that there's actually three partners in a marriage, a man, a woman, and God himself, which we're gonna look at inside and see. But that's basically the crux of it. That, oops, sorry, it says my internet connection is unstable. Are you still able to hear me? Yep. Great, okay. So in this most infinite act, we're limited to needing somebody else. We can't do it alone. And so to the soul. The soul on its own is limited. A person on his own is totally limited. They can't create children and they can't do this infinite, this, you know, they can't have this infinite chain of generations come after them. And we're going to look inside now and see that inside. The, the river explains it very beautifully. Um, the reason why the soul needs to specifically unite with the body to get to these infinite levels it's going to be understood, Alpi Mashal, according to a Mashal parable, from this physical world, which is very helpful because these are all very lofty concepts. It's always nice to um, be able to relate to, to an idea that we can, uh, that we see around us. And we see this from the joining together of physical souls. That before they have become unified, they are on this aspect of limitation and a certain amount. To the ability of their influence, like the rest of creations, like angels, for example. Angels don't have children. So a person on his own is limited that he cannot, you know, reproduce himself. His influence in this world is limited. He passes away and that's it. He's gone, right? But, however, when a person, when these two souls become one and they give birth. Behold, their influence is not at all limited. Now it becomes unlimited. Because it could come out from them. 
generation after generation without any limit. And we must say, that there is with this sort of giving birth and this creation of generations after generations, Ha'aras are ein sof must include a ray of the lights of the infant of God's infinity. Shelemala mepchines nivra that is above the aspect of nivra, which is referring here to olam habria, which is where our souls come from. Vegam mepchines neetzal and even on a higher level than the aspect of neetzal, neetzal is referring to the level of atzilus. So what is this saying here? That one person on their own is totally limited. They can't create generations. Two people together can, but they need some sort of godly intervention because this is way above their abilities, right? We're, we're not unlimited. So the only way that we can create this unlimited um, force, so to speak, is with, with the help of the Ein Sof which is above Nivra, which is above Olam Habria, which is above where our souls come from. It's even above the world of Atsilas, okay? It's a level that precedes the world. It's a level of godliness that totally precedes any sort of world, even Atsilas, which is a super, super high, high world. So through this example of the fact that there are three partners in the creation of a child and future generations, Yuvan Shehaneshama, that the soul but his davuga baguf, when it unites with the body, but tolid masim taivim, and so to speak, gives birth to good deeds, right? Because a neshama can't do mitzvahs, just like angels can't do mitzvahs. A neshama, before it comes down into the world, can't keep shabbos, can't keep kosher. These are physical things that that um, a physical body is necessary for. So when the neshama joins with the guf and so to speak, gives birth, to good deeds, does acts of goodness, kindness, and learns Torah and does mitzvahs, then he will have within it a light of God's infinity, which means that he's able to reach these very, very high levels. What does this mean? What does what he's able to reach, these levels that he's able to reach, which are ad en kets, which have no end, vashir, and no amount. So, in order for the soul to reach these unlimited levels, it needs to first join with the body and do Torah and mitzvahs, which are on the level of ein sof, which are on a very, very, very high spiritual level. And that's how they're going to reach these very high levels. Vazel hatam. Oh, sorry, and this is not, and this is um, something that the soul cannot reach before it comes down into the body, as we've understood. And this is the reason why we call our souls with the name of a mahalech. Dafka, specifically. Only once it comes down into this world, and not before this. So that is why we said that our souls before they come down are on the level of what we say an angel they're omdim they're limited to the way that they were created and they can't go up in level they also can't go down but they can't go up only once it comes down now we've understood why and it unites with the body is able to do torah and mitzvahs which are unlimited and reaches unlimited levels okay now we're going to speak about the soul coming down into the body but not reaching these levels, because that's also possible. Just as sometimes a man and woman can come together and there's no child that comes from it. Although that's not really brought here and gets a little more complicated because Kabbalah does say that every time a man and woman are together in Kedusha, that there is that there are some sort of souls that are created, even if not physical ones. But we get the idea that not every single time that there is a unity, is there this infinity? So, so too, not every single time that the soul comes down into the body can it reach these levels. So what will be an example of that? Now let's go down to Gimel. Before we go to Gimel, does anybody have questions? Batia, it's nice to see you. Okay. okay, I'm assuming there's no questions then. So now we're going to speak about a concept of the neshama coming down and not um, 
coming down into a body, but not actually reaching these levels because it's not really um, doing Torah mitzvahs. So, Amnam, however, the law of Neshama Batara or mitzvahs, without the Neshama working, investing in Torah and mitzvahs, then even when it is within the body, even after this unity has happened, it is still not considered and called with the name of a mahalech. It's not able to reach these, in, these infinite levels because it's specifically through the Torah and mitzvahs that we can reach these levels. And that's what we're going to go into now. We're going to go kind of into the like background to why specifically Torah and mitzvahs are going to enable us to reach these levels. What, what is it about Torah and mitzvahs? So we first know, first and foremost, Without Torah and mitzvah, without the neshama coming to the body, we can't do Torah and mitzvahs, right? Because they're physical things and they require physical reality. That's why angels can never be on this level. And that's why neshamas can only reach these levels when it comes down. But why specifically Torah and mitzvahs? So let's stop by understanding this now. Okay, so the Zerah Mashakasav, this is what is written. This is from Mishle. Um, sorry. I'm not reading it right. I'm so sorry. But in your going, it's going to lead you. This is referring to the Torah leading the Jewish people. Um, and it's a proof, again, from Tanakh, that this idea of a mahalech, of us going, is specifically through the Torah. Pirush, let's explain what this means. Shehatara dafka hi hamalicha es haneshama that the Torah specifically is what leads the neshama in these level after level until the highest of until the highest of levels. Basically, then the, specifically we need the Torah to reach these high levels. Why? Because as we explained already, the soul is not able to go from its own level, um, rather through the Torah specifically. The soul on its own is limited to the way that God created it, to the world that it came from, and that's the levels that it can reach without Torah. But Torah specifically has something in it that enables it to reach these really high levels. The reason is, the reason why we specifically need the Torah and mitzvahs to get to these levels is, because the source of Torah is from the aspect of what we call Keser Elyon. Keser Elyon is referring to the Pneumius of Keser, the deepest part of Keser. And this is referring to a very, very, very high level of godliness that precedes the world, even above Atzillus. That's why this is from the Arizal. The mitzvahs are called Tarach Amodeyar. Tarach is the gematria. Who can tell me what Tarach is the gematria of? So who's following? Is it 620? Mm-hmm. 620, exactly. Um, what is 620? What, uh, there's 613 mitzvahs, right? Plus seven which are the mitzvahs of what we call the mitzvahs of the rabbis that the rabbis instituted, which are, they basically we see them today as included totally in the mitzvahs. It's Hallel and, ooh, let's see if I remember all of them. Hallel and lighting Shabbos candles and brachas and Erev and washing Erev on Shabbos and Erev Tavshilin as well, if I'm not mistaken and washing our hands um, before bread, and who and Purim, and Hanukkah. Okay, I got it. Um, I'm very proud of myself. Okay, so these, so Taruch HaMadeyar is referring to 620, 613, 620 mitzvahs. And what we're going to try and understand now, we're gonna break this down, is the fact that they're specifically called Amudim, and Amud is a pillar, and we're gonna break that down to like, the inner meaning of what that means. So that we can try and understand Torah and mitzvahs are sourced in this super, super high place beyond where our souls come from, beyond where angels come from, beyond where the world comes from. And somehow because of them, they're gonna allow us to reach these levels. Osios keter, tarach, 
which is the gematria for the 620 spot. If you mix it around, it's a tough iteration of ko and a kaf. It makes the word keter, kaf, tough, kaf, tough, rich. So it's just proving to us basically that the mitzvahs and the Torah are sourced in keter. They're called amude ar. And so now we're going to, again, go to a physical example. They're just like, Alderach Mashal means, for example, um, uh, in a way of a parable, Amudei Habayit, the, the beams, the pillars of a house, Shabin Hagag Vaharitzba, that stand between the floor, sorry, that stand between the roof and the floor. Shemachabrim et Hagag Vaharitzba, that they join the roof and the floor, Liyot Lachadim, to be unified. Umuchrach Ha'amad It's essential that the pillar needs to be taller than both of them, right? We have a floor, we have a tall pillar, and then we have the roof. Um, then it is in its ability to join both of them. Okay, that's an example. That's a physical, that's a muscle that we're going to use for how the mitzvahs are, so to speak, amudim. The mitzvahs and the Torah are sourced in a very, very high place in the pnimius of Keser, which is super, super high, way beyond, way beyond where our souls come from. Even though, again, we did mention in parentheses last time that our soul essentially is a chelak is one with God and way higher than anything. Um, but we're speaking about the soul as it is manifested, as it's allowed God to sort of limit it. And that basically means that from usually mainly from Bria and downward, our souls come from. So we have our soul, which is limited to one extent. And we have now the Torah and mitzvahs, which are above it. As we said, the amud, the pillars need to be above the floor so that we can reach levels that the soul couldn't have reached on its own. Um, so too, just like we have pillars that must be higher than the floor so that it can reach the roof and join the two of them, taruch, taracha made are the 620 pillars of light, which are shevatar mitzvahs, that are referring to the Torah and mitzvahs, shehem pnimiyusayusbrach, which we said are the innermost aspects of godliness, which is the innermost level of keser, which is referred to as Taryag Archin del Gilgalusa, which basically means Pnimius HaKetzer, the internal level of the Keter. There's an external level of Keter, there's an internal level of Keter, Arch Anpin, all these like Kabbalistic levels. Um, but Arch Anpin is what it's referring to here, uh, which is Pnimius HaKetzer, very, very high level. This is where the tournaments are sourced. Hine, hey, Molichim, Machabram, Esenashama. These are leading and joining the soul, minhanamuch, from the low level that the soul is limited to before this, to very, very high levels, level after level. Okay, so this is giving us a sort of um, background into the sources of each thing so we can understand how we're able to reach this level. We said the, it's not enough that the soul comes down into the body. It must do Torah and mitzvahs to reach these levels. Why? Because the neshama is limited to its own level. And Torah and mitzvahs come from the pnimius of the keser, from a very, very high level of godliness. And it's just like we said, it's a pillar. It's uniting both of them so that we can, when our soul unites with our body and does Torah and mitzvahs, it's able to lead us, so to speak, to unlimited levels of godliness. Okay. We're going to, in order to understand this even more, we're going to go into a little bit of like a side note about Gan Eden, which is going to help us understand a little bit what happens to the soul after it leaves this world, so that we can eventually get back to our question, um, which is specifically what was so special about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, what was special about his soul, what was special about his Torah and mitzvahs, that somehow we celebrate the day of his passing. But before we understand that, we need to understand why we usually mourn somebody's passing. What happens now when the neshama leaves this world? So we've understood that the neshama before it comes down is limited. It's limited just like the angels are. When it comes down, it needs to unite with the, with the body and that's not enough. It's still limited if it only unites with the body. It needs to do Torah and mitzvahs. What we're going to understand is that that's also not enough to reach these unlimited levels. It needs to be a, a certain level of Torah and mitzvahs in order to 
be able to reach unlimited levels. That we're good. Uh, yeah, I think we will get to that today. Um, okay, but we're gonna go back into this idea of amudim of pillars. So it's not referring to the exact same thing in the next paragraph, but the concept is the same. So let me just preface again that the amudim are referring specifically to um, something that joins to two levels, right? Like we said, a pillar that unites the floor with the roof and it needs to be taller than both of them. And we said that that's what the Torah is, uh, the Torah in the midst of us. But now we're going to speak about it in a different context, in the context, context of Gan Eden. So now we're going to speak about the souls after they've left the body. Now what happens to a soul after it leaves the body? It goes to Gan Eden. And what happens? So we'll be our Indian to understand this idea. It is known that the elevation of the souls in Gan Eden, every Shabbos and every Rosh Chodesh, specifically through an Amud, which we're going to understand what this represents over here in Gan Eden, specifically. So it's a known thing that our Neshamas have what's called an Aliyah, which we're going to understand what that means, um, on Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh. Uh, basically, the, our neshamas, based on how we act um, while we're in this world, they go up and they get to reach a certain level uh, in Gan Eden. And at that level, they're able to bask in whatever level of godliness they basically deserve, so to speak. But then every Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh, they get what's called an aliyah. They go into like another, what's called a heichal, another room, another reality where they can, well, it's still considered Gan Eden, where they can appreciate and understand even higher levels of godliness. So we're going to break that down a little bit more um, by understanding what this Amud is. The way that the Neshama gets this Aliyah is through an Amud. The way that the Neshama can go from one level to another level is specifically through what we call a pillar. Behold, the difference between the pillar and the Heichal is the pillar here is referring to this this thing that's enabling them to go up in level. And the Heichal is referring to the room, so to speak, the space that the soul has earned in Gan Eden. Okay, so we're going to understand this. The difference between an Ahmad, a pillar, and a Heichal, a room, is the difference between Pnimius and Chitsonius, internal and external. So just like if you look into... The room right now, from an, the room I'm sitting in right now, which we're going to read this inside, but from an external view, you look and you see, you see a room and you see me sitting in the room. Uh, that's an external first glance. But then if you start looking deeper, you can start seeing the whole way that the room is built up and you start seeing the pillars that are holding up the walls. And that's the idea of why an omelet is called Pneumius and a room is called Chitsanius, basically. When you look deeper, you start seeing that there's this whole system of how the room is built. And once you understand the system, you can actually replicate these systems. So, and once, we're going to read this inside, but once you basically see the construction of the room and you see that, wow, there's these pillars that are holding up the room, you realize that the pillars are actually able to lift you up to new, to new levels, right? If you look at a construction site, those poles that are holding it up, you can climb to the next, to the next floor because of these pillars. That's only if you look at it from a pneumistic away, from an internal look. And so what we're basically going to understand from this is that Torah and mitzvahs get us to a certain level. They get us to Gan Eden. But if we want to start having these aliyahs in Gan Eden and elevation after elevation and after, ele after elevation of understanding and godliness and reaching spiritual heights, we need to look at it from a pneumistic away. We need to look at it from an internal perspective. And only that way will we realize, oh, there's this Ahmed, there's this way to climb higher and higher and higher. But if you look at it from an external point of view, you're stuck in the room. So that's basically what we're going to be saying here, but in like a little bit more technical terms. So, just like a physical room, physical space. That the external, if you look at it from the external point of view, what do you see? You see a person sitting in a room. But if you look at the internal workings of the room, there's a whole secret and concealed thing going on. 
Shehu derech alias ha'amud, that this is the way that the amud, that the pillars are going up. Vuhu primi is ha'heichal. And this is the deeper meaning of the room. This is when you start seeing the room for like, for what it really is. And you start seeing, oh, there's walls. Oh, the walls are taller than the floor and they're able to get us to much higher places. Okay, so okmaken, so too. Bahasagas hanashamas began Eden. The understanding and comprehension of the nishamas and ganadin. Because when we say that we're going up and up and up in levels of godliness, we're talking about in comprehending these levels of godliness, right? So just as we said that the angels are limited to a certain comprehension and type of comprehension and amount of comprehension, um, so too our souls are also. But then whenever it gets what's called an aliyah in ganadin, whenever it goes up, it means it can comprehend more and it can comprehend more. Okay, so. Now we're going to understand this. All the days of the week, because we said we're speaking about an aliyah that it gets on Shabbos. So during the week, it's on a level of a room, of heichal, which we said a level of just looking at the room is This is only referring to the external, the chitsonias. But on Shabbos and Yom Tov, they're elevated because of this aspect of Pnimius, through the pillar. Suddenly, they get a different perspective. And what's revealed to them is that there's, there's this Omud, there's something that's higher than the room, that's connecting them to something above, that they're going to be able to climb up, basically, to get to another level, because they're looking at it from an internal perspective. That's sticking out from the beginning, from the bottom of the heichal to the end. On Shabbos, they get this deeper, pneumistical perspective, and they're able to realize, oh my gosh, I'm not stuck here. I can climb up and I can get to this next level. That it's source, the source of the amud, of the pillar, that they're able to now see because they're looking at it from an internal perspective. Mimadrega ha'elyona is from an is from an even higher level than the room that they're in. Shelemala minahechalazet. It's above this room. But who and what is it? What what level is this Ahmed on? Ha'aret gan eden ha'elyon diyetsira. This is a ray of the upper gan eden, which is in yetsira. This. Within each level of Ganadin, there's many levels, but there's two distinct levels of Ganadin. It's called the upper Ganadin and the lower Ganadin. The upper Ganadin is in the world of Yitzira, and the lower Ganadin is in the world of Asiya Haruchni, which is the spiritual Asiya. The world, our physical world that we um, are in, is what's called Asiya Hagashmi, the physical Asiya. And then there's Asiya Haruchni, which is still Asiya, very, very limited godliness, but it's Ruchnias. It doesn't take up time and space like we understand it. So uh, even though there's a Gan Eden within Asiya, if you look around, you're not going to just stumble upon it because it's much more spiritual. So what's happening? Our souls left our body. Uh, sorry, not our souls. Souls that have left bodies um, are now in, you know, they're basking in the rays of godliness that they've, that they've basically um, earned in their time here. And what's happening is that on Shabbos and Yom Tov, they're able to get this perspective, this internal perspective, and reach a level of Gan Eden Ha'elyon, which is in Yitzhira. They're able to go up in levels. Shemer ba'amid ba'gan Eden da'asiya. How is this possible? How is the soul able to make this jump, this leap? Because there's an Ahmed, there's something connecting both of the levels. When it's able to really recognize that there is this opportunity, it can grab it and it can go up to the next level. And that is why the way that a soul has an elevation from the lower level of Ganadin to the higher level of Ganadin is through what we call an Omud. And what do we say an Omud represents? We're not speaking about a physical Omud here. There's like no physical things going on here at all, even though we are talking about levels of Asiya. Omud represents Primius. When you look at the room, when you look at the reality from a deeper way, you see, oh my goodness, there is this elevation coming, there's this revelation, sorry, coming from above, and I can get and I, I can grab it and I can get onto it. Um, so it's interesting because it's it's called an omud because we can really understand that 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 if you just climb up the wall, you can get to the next story, so to speak. 
ומזה מובן גם בנוגע לעניין המצווה שנקראים עמודים. Now, this whole, um, I wouldn't call it a side point, but side point of Gan Eden is going to help us understand how our soul, which is limited, within the body, which is even more limited, through Torah and mitzvahs is able to reach unlimited heights. Now we can understand all of this in reference to the idea of the mitzvahs, which we said are also called amudim, as we said above. Sorry, we said that they are the 620 um, pillars of light. The main idea of an amud, which we said is the pnimius, when referring to mitzvahs, is what we call the pnimius of the mitzvahs, the deeper aspect of mitzvahs. What is a deeper uh, level of mitzvahs? We have the mitzvahs and then we have the deeper level. What would that be? Anyone care to? Anyone? I mean, it's, the answer's on the next line, but um, this is basically what we call the kavana of the mitzvah. There's the chitzonius, the external um, perspective of the mitzvah, which is the action of doing the mitzvah. And then there's shehu inyan kavanas mitzvah. There's the primius of the mitzvah, which is the intention of the mitzvah. Okay, why we do the mitzvah, etc. Sha'al yada, that through the intention of the mitzvah, through the primius of the mitzvah, meyached yechudim el yoinim. When a person does a mitzvah, not only from the external aspect of just doing it, but also with the kavana and the intention, he unites upper unities. He's creating new levels of godliness. Umam shech ar ein sof, and he's drawing down the unlimited levels of godly light, by doing this mitzvah. Because as we said, um, the Ahmad represents the pnimius, the internal. When you do a mitzvah from an aspect of internal, it's an Ahmad that's going to help you reach levels that you couldn't have reached without looking at the pnimius. Masha'enken, on the other hand, hamase atzma, beli kavana, the action of the mitzvah without the intention, you just do the mitzvah, you know, you could do mitzvahs. We do many, many mitzvahs without even knowing we're doing a mitzvah, right? Um, without even necessarily saying, oh, I'm going to do a mitzvah right now. Um, even, even people who don't even know what a mitzvah is are doing so many mitzvahs all the time. So I would say that what the Tanya's definition of a Russia gomor, of a complete Russia is like, you know, very, very hard to come by, even somebody who doesn't know what a mitzvah is. So what happens when we do a mitzvah without the intention? This is just a level, the ex, it's an external level only. And therefore, those who do mitzvahs only with the action, not with the intention, his dwelling place, the place that he merits after 120 years of doing Torah and mitzvahs is in the lower level of Gan Eden because it's not the ultimate. It's limited, as we said. When you look at a room and you only see that you just see a room, you're limited to that room. You can't go higher because you're not seeing the deeper opportunities. But he's not going to be able to go up with the Ahmad, he's not going to be able to get these elevations. Only those who do mitzvahs with an internal um, intention, will be able to go up and ascend through the Ahmad. From one level to another level, without limitation at all. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that the neshama is a mahalech. Neshama can reach unlimited levels. But there's conditions, as we see. This has to be a neshama that has come down into this world. It has to be a neshama that's doing Torah and mitzvahs. It has to be a neshama that's doing Torah and mitzvahs with an internal intention. The kenugam batara, we spoke about mitzvahs now, having the intention of the mitzvahs. But what about Torah? What's the internal level of Torah? Shiyeshba b'chinna satim begali, there's, within the Torah, there's the aspect of the concealed and the revealed. Panimius, the internal level of Torah, the chitzonius, an external level of Torah. What we're doing right now is the internal level of Torah. We are deep, we are delving very deep right now. This means, 
what's the external? That's those that were revealed to us in action. That this is an external level only. And the secrets and the secret reasons shalahem this is the level of Pneumius. This is an internal level. So we have an internal and external level of mitzvahs, which is the action of the mitzvah and the intention of the mitzvah. And then we have the revealed levels of Torah, which are understandable in action. You look at them and you get it. And then there's the secrets of the Torah. When we tap into the internal aspects of Torah and mitzvahs, we're able to reach these infinite levels. Um, okay. Any questions? This was a little bit of like a deep paragraph uh, in terms of like going through nitty gritty details and the idea of the mudim, etc. If anyone has questions, feel free to ask. We're getting closer to the answer of what was unique about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So that's exciting. Does anyone have questions? I have a question. Um, hey, who's speaking? Hi, Amy. Sorry, I'll turn Amy. on the video. <laughs> I was just eating Saba. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to disturb anyone. Um, I just want to ask, so if we can only do the mitzvahs when we have the body, right? And then mm -hmm. on Shabbos and Yontif, the neshama gets the aliyah. Will it, um, I mean, obviously after Shabbos and Yontif, it comes down, right? But then like, you know, when a person's yotzah, like you say that the neshama should have an aliyah, is that the same kind of an aliyah? And also when they get an aliyah, do they stay up at the upper level? Or do they come back down? So how exactly It's a very it good question. Um, I actually asked this question while I was preparing today. So I'm happy that um, <laughs> I clarified that one. Um, the idea of an aliyah, it doesn't mention the fact that also on the yard site there's an aliyah. As you mentioned, that on the day of passing, the soul gets an aliyah. But as you, as you just said, um, it's included in the same thing, basically. The aliyah of Shabbos the Aliyah of Rosh Chodesh and the Aliyah of the Day of Passing. Um, what's interesting, I always just said, yeah, like they get an Aliyah on Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh and then it goes back down after. But apparently this idea that we're just speaking about that it goes up and up and up in levels means that every Shabbos, it goes up. Every Rosh Chodesh, it goes up. Every yard site, it goes up. And it doesn't go down. Okay. And that is what makes the soul able to reach these unlimited levels, these elevation after elevations that it could reach. Does that answer the question? Only, kind of. So it's only possible to get those elevations if you did the mitzvot with Kavana here on earth. Okay, so that is what it's saying here. Yes, which is a bit harsh. Um, the Rebbe is going to add something very nice at the end that's going to make it a little bit more like, okay, you know, we have some yeah. hope. <laughs> but as of right now, yes, the elevations that it's referring to is um, only if you, if you tap into what the level of Amudim that we were speaking about, right? Only if you tap into the internal and then you're able to get to the next level. So from this paragraph right now, exactly. Only if you do these certain things in your lifetime, you're able to get these aliyahs. Um, but the Rebbe is going to uh, explain this a little bit more at the end. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Does anyone else have questions? Yeah, can I ask? For sure. Who's talking? Um, Jordan. Let me also turn my video on. Sorry. Hi, Jordan. Okay. Hi. Um, when you do a mitzvah in merit of someone else, um, do you share in the reward of the mitzvah or do you essentially like give the reward of the mitzvah to the person who you're doing it on behalf of? Wow. That's a, very, that's a very good question. The answer is I, I, I don't know. I that's don't know. Um, but that is a really good question. <laughs> Rabbi Kaufman's coming on next. So if you stick around, you could ask yeah. him. <laughs> that's, a really, that's a very interesting question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but thanks for asking. Anyone else or are we ready to continue? Oh, we actually are not ready to continue because we are out of time. Um, but we will finish it. As you can see, we have three more paragraphs. The last two are from the Alter Rebbe's Mimer. And then, sorry, these next two, Hey and Vav. And then the last one, Zion, is what the Rebbe added, basically. Um, and it really ties it all very nicely together and helps us really understand 
what is so amazing about Lagba Omer. And what's really exciting is that we're going to learn it on Lagba Omer. I really hope we have class then. I don't see why we shouldn't. I mean, it's not like anyone's going to parades or anything, unfortunately. So we're going to learn. And okay, amazing. So that's what we're going to, what we're going to get to after this whole introduction um, that we've already had from Hey, from the next one, we're as you can see, Alpiza, Muvan, Shekasha, Rashbi, etc. According to this, according to this entire introduction that we've just had, now we can understand why we celebrate the passing of Rashbi specifically. Um, so we're going to get to that next week. And yeah, it was a pleasure, everyone. If you have more questions, we have one more minute. Now I've got to sign off. But I do recommend, Jordan, that you ask, have I caught on that question? And then next week, if you could tell me what the answer is, because it's a very, it's a very good question. Oh, amazing! All right, amazing. it was a pleasure, Thank everyone. You. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. You I miss you. Yeah. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I forgot again. You too. Thank you so much, Thank Esther. <laughs> of course. There we go. Do I just do I just cancel? Do I just press exit? Do you can see my screen? Perfect. Yeah, say so leave meeting and, and meeting. Why don't I stop share? No, and meeting. Okay. Bye, everyone.